so the moral of the story is be careful what you wish for. And also, I got this monkey's paw I'm trying to unload. So uh, send me your name and address. I'll send it over to you. Blow out those candles and be careful what you wish for, because Hauntsville Cryptcast is back with Season 3. I'm Anthony. I'm Doza. I'm Anna. And today, we're talking about wish fulfillment. So, I have a theory. And that's all you had. (laughs) A theory. I have a theory that there is only one good wish fulfillment film out there. I can contest that theory. Unless we're thinking about the same movie, then I'm right there with you. Okay, so... The one film that is actually good that I can think of is Sorority Babes in Slimeball Ballorama. Ah, I had fun watching that, but good is a stretch. Oh, it's it's good in the way that any Lillian Quigley film is good. Like, it's great, but it's not great. It's just fantastic, but abysmal at the same time, which makes it great. Well, this is curious that you guys are usually on the opposite sides of this spectrum when we talk about these movies. I'm amazed right now. It's just so much fun. It is fun. It does have some of the most unique elements that I've seen in a wish fulfillment film. And that's really just saying that it isn't just the monkey's paw. So, (laughs) yeah, there's definitely some fun elements to it. But it's it's a film that is all over the map, and I am in a love-hate relationship with this gargoyle demon that lives inside a bowling trophy. Oh, the little Uncle oh, Impy? that movie? Yeah, Uncle yeah. Impy, who, who lives in the bowling trophy. I, I, yeah, I kind of love and hate him. He's very okay, annoying. Okay, Anna, give me but... the good. Anthony, give me the bad. I haven't seen this. Okay, so the good is Linnea Quigley. I mean, I just, I just love Linnea Quigley, and she plays like this badass cool biker chick who these sorority girls and these little nerdy boys who have been spying on sorority so as like a punishment they like send them off with the pledges to go and steal this bowling trophy from the bowling alley and then they run into Linnea Quigley who's just trying to break in so that she can get some money or something I can't remember what she's trying to break into and they're like oh we need to steal this bowling trophy and she's like okay so she just kind of like cracks open the bowling (laughs) thing and then they drop it, and then it turns out that Uncle Impy, this mystical imp who grants wishes, has been trapped in it. And so he starts giving them wishes, thinks that everything's great, but then obviously, as usual, the wishes don't turn out to be what they wanted. And then all these little minions of the imp start killing everyone, and like, severing heads and using them as bowling balls, and it's great! Like, his name is, like, literally Uncle Impy? Yeah! Holy shit. Where did you watch this? Uh, what? It was I on Shudder, wasn't Shutter. it? Yeah. Oh, I know what I'm doing after this. Yeah. Okay, so it's a ton of fun, and I'm having a hard time because some of Anna's good points are also my bad points. Oh, no. As fun as it is, the whole movie is forced. You force the nerdy guys to go to the to the sorority girls, and there's literally 15 minutes of, like, Two guys trying to coax the other guy to go over and be a peeping Tom. And then they're kind of forced to go to this bowling alley. And it has virtually nothing to do with everything that we're prepared for for the sorority. Uh, It's just kind of incidental. Linnea Quigley is there to, as Anna said, steal money from a bowling alley. This bowling alley is like, I don't know, sure, it's the 80s. And this is probably like the only like hang joint in town. But like there's... (laughs) Hang joint. She 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 opens the the safe and there's like nothing in there. I don't know. Weird choice for for where you're gonna rob. The low security. I get it. Yeah, except there's a man who apparently lives there. He's there the whole time, he's the but most of the time he spends it in. Yeah, so you know, like lighthouses and cemeteries and bowling alleys historically <laughs> all have caretakers. Yeah, so the bowling alley caretaker he spends most of his time locked in the closet anyway. The wishes, they're they're fun. There's some killer practical effects going on in this movie. But the wishes just kind of don't mean anything. Like, throughout what we talk about in this episode, we're going to talk about a lot of wasted wishes, bad wishes, and not just, like, bad phrasing, just, like, wishes for stupid shit. Usually when a wish backfires in one of these movies, it has a logical consequence, like the opposite of what you expected or something, like, 
terribly wrong with your wish accompanies the wish. In this one, one of them wishes to be like super popular and then they become the brides of Dracula cool. for no reason. <laughs> yeah, that's no, that true. Rules. She like doesn't she become like prom queen and then suddenly her dress fades and suddenly she's bride of Dracula or something. The other guy wishes for like a whole bunch of gold, not even money, just like blocks of gold. That's a dickhead wish. <laughs> and they just suddenly turn into wood or something. And it's like, okay, where's the lesson there? Yeah, I, I get what you mean. The only one that does actually learn anything is the guy that wishes for one of the pledges to have sex with him. That happens, but then she goes into like full nymph mode and he's like, all right, I've had enough now. And she's like, no more, blah, 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 blah. And she just starts like tearing at him. He's the only one who seemed to learn like, okay, I don't like it this way. I kind of wanted her to actually like me. And, and she doesn't she just wants to have sex and she's just like a sexless a sexless a like senseless <laughs> robot who's not herself anymore who just wants to continuously have sex and he learns that people are good for having conversations with and liking as people and not just continuous sex so there is one lesson he dies I anyway see a lot of these though a lot of like the guys use their wishes to assault women like that yeah. like oh I, I wish she'd loved me and it's like that's it's fucking gross and it makes me feel super uncomfortable well i mean the common trend is that whoever gets the magic lamp is there's an 80 percent chance that there's some neckbeard cuckold yeah a bunch of little horny grossos i don't know even in wish upon she wished for a guy to be in love with her and didn't really give a shit whether he was in love with her or just being a crazy stalker so it works it works with both yeah genders. but like it doesn't it doesn't because her wish was for adoration and he loves her and stalks her and like yeah it escalates but it never escalates to anything physical whereas like slime bowl arama we have the total opposite he just wishes for sex like this is a yeah. uh, a full-fledged character that we've come to know throughout this film who has now lost her free will for the sake of this wish yeah, that's true. I mean, nothing about the film is, like, morally right, but it's kind <laughs> of one of those 80s B-movies with Linnea Quigley in it that you just kind of forget all of those little things for a hot minute. And I don't know what it is about her, but, like, she just makes me throw my morals out of the window when it comes to, like, women's rights, which isn't great. <laughs> but I watch a movie with her in, and suddenly for a minute I'm like, whatever she wants to do, I don't care. And then afterwards, I sit and think about it and go, oh, actually, that's not a great well, no, name I mean, for us. <laughs> well, I'm not actively watching a film called Sorority Girls at the Slime bowl Arama for its moral compass. <laughs> Renee Quigley's character is the most moral and lesson-giving character, because she's yeah. the one who gets shit on for being kind of like, there's the little classist undertone that she's like a runaway and a rebel and... Uh, they kind of shit on her for her social status. But she's the only one who's sensible but enough to not make a wish. Because she's like, this is bullshit. He's going to fuck us over. And they're all like, no, look, we've got this. And she's like, that's going to go wrong. Like, she's the only one who's like, no, this is stupid. Why are we doing this? Yeah, so the morality does exist. And it does come from Linnea Quigley's character. It just, the the rest of the, the, the wishing logic, I guess we'll call it. Uh, it just doesn't track. Why? Why do they grant the wishes? Just because they like they love chaos. Is uh, Impy is he's like kind of sworn to to grant everyone who frees him a wish, and that's about as far as we get for the why. So he just he's constantly harping on everyone like, "Hey, make your wish. You've still got your wish. Everybody else is making theirs. Come on, peer pressure. I'm Uncle Impy." Holy shit. I think it's almost the same sort of logic as in Wishmaster. Like, I think he does the wishes because he enjoys seeing the chaos that he can make with them. But he doesn't have the same thing as the Wishmaster where, like, if you get to a certain number of these and, like, you get more powerful or anything, I think he's just like, I'm gonna grant these wishes because it's hilarious making them go wrong or something. Yeah, because Wishmaster is, he's trying to take souls yeah. And, oh my god, and like the third wish releases him? Is that it? Wishmaster kind of fluctuates. Like it releases more of the jinns on the world if he gets to the third one. 
Right, right. Something like yeah. that. Yeah, sure. and that even that kind of <laughs> fluctuates as the Wishmaster franchise goes on. For the most part, the Wishmaster is kind of free roaming, and it's not like he's bound to anyone to make their their wishes come true yeah yo he cruises around and it's like you want some wishes you want some wishes you want some wishes to like every person he sees and he he grants some really cool shit to a bunch of people and then a bunch of really shitty wishes uh specifically to tony todd and robert england (laughs) (laughs) i forgot how many cameos there were in in the first film yeah it's like infamous like it uh for for the the characters that they have doing cameos yeah, because they have Kane Hodder and Ted Raimi. But people were shitting on it for, like, the effects, and I thought it was pretty it's, cool. The effects are the best thing about it. I and love the, yeah, the design of... Maybe the only good thing. I, I love the design of Wishmaster. Like, I think it's a great monster um, in design. I think the actor, I completely forgot his name again. It's uh, Andrew Devoff. Yeah, I think I think he does a great job with him. And I I like the amount of practical effects. It's just... The story is so all over the place. I felt like they had an idea, but they also didn't write it down. So it just kind of went with whatever <laughs> happened. I think the problem there is that the Wishmaster is the main character of the franchise. He's not just an antagonist. Sure, we have main characters in each of the films who are directly tied to the Wishmaster, to his release, but... For 80% of the film, we're following the Wishmaster. Like Doza said, he's cruising around town. He's doing his own thing. We're watching this happen. It's not stuff that happens off screen. So we don't really get character development or a full story out of our character. This is just like a series of vignettes of whose lives the Wishmaster can make awful in the short amount of time that he's walking the earth. Yeah, you get like the same, like literally the same two thirds of the story with a bunch of different characters where they each make like a couple wishes and he's like, come on, do one more. And they're like, ah, I don't know about that. Those first two ruined my life. <laughs> and he just bounces around. And Anna, like you said, it's just like, it's chaos. It is all over the place in, in filming and also like in plot. And I, I do love the way that they tie it up. The same that every one of these movies ties it up where it's like, I wish this never happened. And everybody goes, whoa. And it just starts over again, paving the way for the, the next same movie to happen. Yeah. We had a really hard time breaking away from formula in these movies. Wishmaster is wish upon is monkey's paw. Is well, can we ad- address the monkey in the room? Because monkey's paw, the, the original short story was written in 1902. And, I thought is is great. It's phenomenal. They, they it fucking has such a it. suspense build and su- such a we'll call it a twist, but I mean everybody's seen it at this point in some form or another. But it's 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 the same. It's the it's formulaic to a T with all these where everybody gets you get your first wish and it comes in an unexpected way. Wherein uh, the original monkey's paw, like oh I want to pay off the mortgage on the house, I would like to wish for two hundred pounds. And then their son is injured in an accident at work, and the company pays them out 200 pounds for reparations. And the next logical step is like, we should wish our son back to life. Although in the original Monkey's Paw, I, I love the the confrontation that they have there. The the father is like, no, if we wish him back, like he'll it'll fuck us up. Like he'll come back and he'll be a zombie. He'll be a corpse. He'll be all rotted and mangled. And she's like, but I just want to see him again. And so you get that second wish. And of course, he shows up back from the dead. And then the third wish is to wish him away. Yeah. The third wish is always that like undoing wish. And you see that over and over again. Like, oh, I wish I never made that first wish. Or like, I wish I never found this pendant. It's always that. I think the, the biggest thing that fucks me up with that is like, Having that be the climax always feels like you've wasted my time watching this movie because it's exactly what I expected and no one is any better or worse off for it. Exactly. You just go right back to one and nothing is different. One of the things I did like about Wish Upon, and there are so very few, was that even when the wishes started to become undone, 
you cannot backtrack those who have died. So even though she she unwishes the first wish, her best friend is still dead. Yeah, that's true. Like, it unravels in, like, she wishes for all of her wishes to go away. It's not like, oh, she's living back in her old house and everyone's alive still. It's, okay, we lost the inheritance on this house, we have to move home. The things unravel in a natural way and go back to normal, but everything still happened. Yeah, they don't send her all the way back. They tie it and connect the dots in such a way to, like, reset leaving everything in place, which props to them. That fucking rules. Wishes with rules. Instead of using a monkey's paw, they go and they use the Chinese wish box. I thought that was yep really beautiful prop. And it it's just gives it something it. extra. It does have bats <laughs> on it. Which we didn't realize until that random segment when they're doing the outro. And they almost have like a music video. Yeah. And that is shot about 50 <laughs> times better than the whole film. Honestly... If you don't want to watch Wish Upon, watch that 30 second little music video outro at the end. And it's so much better. Like the production value is better on it. Like it just, it looks better. And you can finally see the details on the box. And I was like, that's yeah, all I really want wanted. You hang out with the box. Yeah, exactly. But whoever wrote the script on that, like, please don't do that again. Because the dialogue was so repetitive. It frustrated me beyond belief. Even if they were good actors. Everybody speaks just, in questions. Yeah. There was literally a two minutes of dialogue where, so the boy that she made fall in love with her comes over and goes, so do you say yes? And she said, yes to what? He's like, to going out with me. And then she then goes outside and she goes to her friend, so how much? And he goes, for what? And she's like, for your cousin to translate this. And then they get in the car and he says, so I'm waiting. And she says, waiting for what? And he says, for an apology for this thing you did 10 years ago. And that all happened in the space of about five minutes. And that was only dialogue, really, that was noticeable. And it's like, why? Like, I understand that you're in high school. Like, obviously, you want your characters to seem realistic and believable. But, like, I've never met a high schooler that only speaks in questions. That's it's trolls, does. Trolls speak in riddles. Nobody talks like that. I really hope not, because the way that most movies portray American high schools is appalling. It makes every single person there look dumb, even if they're meant to be a nerd. And it's like one of the reasons why I would never put my kid into an American school is because all I know of it is movies. Okay, I haven't been in high school for, oh, I don't know, 15 years or something. Um, but <laughs> I, I I feel you. And if like if that's your your interpretation, I totally get it. Uh, like, did you guys watch Mirror Mirror? No. It's 1990, and oh my god, it is about uh, a goth girl and her mom who move into a new house after her dad dies. And then it's her experience getting bullied in high school for being goth. Totally, like, I've been on the, the, the other side of that. Like, I've been, the, you know, showing up to school, like, oh, I got my my leather bracelet on and my black hoodie and my black jeans and I got my fucking knit hat on and my slipknot shirt. So this girl goes in and they're like, they're all very, very preppy and she's the only goth in town, which is how that works, you know, right? Every film. But then she finds a mirror in the new house and it starts giving her like witchy powers where like she, anything like she wants to happen starts to happen. But like in sort of like a, a twisted way where like a girl's making fun of her and she's like staring at her and then the girl's nose starts to bleed typical high school bullshit where like they tease her they tease her in gym because like oh you know you're you're weird looking and they they tease her in class because you're weird looking and this one girl gets to try to know her as a person and she becomes like her only friend and the other kids start making fun of her for hanging out with this fucking girl but then she, the goth girl, ends up becoming, like, the villain of the movie, which is so fun. So it's Carrie. It's... <laughs> and also The Craft. It's... And also The Craft. Yes. Oh, okay. I it's... take back my one film. That... The Craft but... is also good. Craft also good. Okay, so, like, I do want to talk about the difference between, like, witchy powers, wishes, and deals with the devil. She gets to a point where she's talking to like her one friend where she's like oh i can control the things that are happening in the sense that like a wish is something you will into existence she like she never speaks the word out loud like i wish or like uh she never 
uh, openly wishes for things, but you can, uh, she admits like, oh, you know, this mirror has been giving me the strength to do this. Like I'm doing this. They all sort of blow up in her face and you find out like the mirror is controlling her and there's a demon that lives in it and all this bullshit. Nice. Okay. Um, I do like that the mirror is the box, is the monkey's paw, is the lamp, etc. Exactly. Everything's got, there's a, an item. It's always an item with a, a thing in it. I don't, I don't want to give away like the twist at the end. Okay, well, I already know that there's a demon in the mirror, so... <laughs> oh, that happened. That's, like, the very first thing. So, like, they they give, like, a really weird expositional trip, like, through letters of the people who lived in the house previously. And, like, the neighbor is, like, going through in the 50s. Like, it, the, the film opens up in the 50s of a sister who kills her other sister in order to appease the mirror. The, the neighbor is, like, reading this, and they literally do a tell not show kind of thing Ooh, hate that yeah where they just like give you all the backstory of like the demon in the mirror and you're like i want to see it do all this cool shit please yeah see i think that's where like Wishmaster takes the reins in most of these because it's the most hands-on that we get to see everything happen he does stuff the cg doesn't look great and hasn't aged well at all (laughs) but the practical's fantastic and there's some i will say throughout every one of these wishing films there's a lot of great backfires and inventive deaths which i think turns out to be why we watch them over and over again because it feels like final destination with a purpose yeah they sort of rube goldberg their way around Wish Upon's deaths were completely final destination. As much as I wasn't a big fan of Wish Upon, I didn't think it was awful. The deaths kept me really in suspense, and I was like, I know that someone's about to die, but I don't know how it's going to happen. And every time, like, especially with the braid, I didn't realize that that was going to happen. Yeah, neighbor. Like, she kept putting a hand down the food processor, and I was like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I kept looking away, because I'm not good with that stuff. I'd look back, and I'd be like, why hasn't this happened yet? And it wasn't until I actually went, oh, oh, the hair. And I was like, no. And then I had to look away because that was just bad. But yeah. like the build up they gave. some miracle of editing, they did a great job of building suspense. Yeah. And then when he didn't know whether it was going to be the best friend or the dad. And I was like, please be the best friend. Oh. Please be the best friend. I hate her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she was so annoying. At first I was like, cool. She's like a mini Tia Carrera. And then... Because, like, she had the same attitude, and I was like, okay, that's cool. And then after a while, that attitude got really grating. And I was like, no, please just go away now. But even I, even though I, I, j- I joked around before and said it's always some neckbeard cuckold who gets the wishes, it's, it is always terrible people. It's yeah. very rare that we get a wishing film where, like, I care about the person who's making the wishes, and I'm worried for them. But it's always terrible people people making bad wishes, selfish choices, and they have every right to backfire on them. It's never somebody like who's like a genuinely good person making a good wish. Well, I I get a couple. I I watched a couple of those, um, like even even for example, like Mirror Mirror, like the girl, she just reaches out to something, and she, like she finally has a way to sort of like strike back at the bullies. And of course, it ends up being like, oh, I wish you would kill the girl that made fun of my bangs or some shit. A good um, person doesn't really say, I wish you would kill this person. But I just, like, I feel sympathetic toward, towards her, and none of it is uh, intentional up until it becomes intentional, and I think she sort of becomes a bad person over the, the course of the movie rather than, like, being a shitty person from the get-go. Yeah. I mean, in Wish Upon, the thing that bothered me the most is she finds out pretty early that people are dying whenever she makes a wish. And she still keeps making stupid, selfish wishes. as And then She's going, oh no, someone else died. Oh, yep. but I'm going to wish for this really stupid little thing that I want, please. Ugh. And then, yeah, it just, it, yeah, it made me want the film to conclude with her just dying. <laughs> you, you do super want to see her get got. Yeah, because the world seemed like it would be a lot nicer without people like that in it. And then she gets reverse Regina George'd. I forgot that she actually died in the end. It wasn't as satisfying as I was hoping. What do you mean reverse Regina George? So Regina George is obviously the, well, like, antagonist up until that point. 
and then she uh, becomes a better person. And then Regina George gets hit by a bus, and then she becomes a better person. But uh, she never becomes a better person, and in fact oh, and gets worse. <laughs> okay. And yeah. then she gets got by the Regina George of this high school. Yep. Yeah, okay. I get it now. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys want to hear about one with a, a sympathetic wisher? Yes, please. So to to preface this a little bit, this is a weird one, but I loved this movie. <laughs> It's called Deep Dark. Never heard of it. No. Awesome. I really struggled to find like a plethora of wishing films. So it's not the the typical monkey's paw story uh, where like he doesn't have like a limited amount of wishes. But the main character is a, a struggling artist who wants to get his, his art acknowledged by the people in the art world. And like that's his whole life. He's like, I just want to be an artist, but he can't quite do it. So he applies to this gallery and they keep rejecting him because he makes these bullshit mobiles that are kind of dumb and bad. So he calls his uncle, who is a successful artist, and he's like, oh, you know what? You should rent my old apartment. Like that's where I found my inspiration. He moves in and it's this shithole apartment. And then there's a literal hole in the wall that starts slipping him notes. The the notes are like, oh, I, I, I can help you. We can work together. We can make art. So it helps him achieve his dream of becoming an, uh, a successful artist by giving him these like weird little pustules that he makes into these mobiles. And people go nuts over them. And it makes everybody really, really horny. And so all the people in the fucking gallery start fucking in the gallery and they sell the piece for $50,000. And he's like, I love you, hole in the wall. Well, <laughs> we, we have to make more art. The, the hole in the wall has like a, a female voice and he's like, all right, is, is there anything I can do for you? Like you helped me achieve my dream. And she's like, you could give me a kiss. And so he just like, they, her perspective is from a, just like a fisheye lens on the other side of the wall so you, you see him get up all close and he just gives it like a little peck and she just keeps giving him more of these little orbs to make art out of. It's so, so strange. It sounds then, like a really unsatisfying porno. Unsatisfying may not be the word. <laughs> you know he fucks the hole, right? Come on. <laughs> but then they develop like a weird sort of relationship where she starts like acting like he's his girlfriend and he's like, no, 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 you're like my art partner. And she starts getting jealous when he brings like uh you know girls over and talks about the girls at work and it's it's super duper strange but there was a line in this movie that like really hit the the nail on the head for me which is like why i i sympathize with this guy uh and like a lot of the protagonists in these wish fulfillment movies because he says uh when you want something more than anything and it just gets handed it to you you take it and don't ask questions and like I, I totally and absolutely get that. And yeah, I feel that mm -hmm. he acknowledges like, oh, you know, like I, I got to reach my dream. But like you are a mysterious monster living in a wall and she ends up like hurting somebody. And he's like, we can't keep doing this. This is not going to happen. And she's like, but you want to be famous, right? And there's that like that moral quandary of the back and forth of like do what do I care more about though? The hole in the wall or a relationship with an actual human being. And it's just like, I get that. And I, I feel for this guy and I, I love the way that it, that it wraps up. And I, I really think you guys should watch it. Yeah. It definitely sounds like something I would check out. I love a mysterious monster that can just like grant my deepest desire. Yeah, definitely. Like monsters is the way to go. It's definitely more entertaining than like the box or the, the paw. Because like, you, you get a character out of it. I like that. Exactly. It's why Leprechaun is such a hit. As ridiculous as those movies are, we're not watching it for anything other than how insane the Leprechaun is as a character. They've pretty much shown us throughout the franchise that nothing is off the table. <laughs> the, this film keeps going because they keep getting more and more inventive and ridiculous with the kills and the character. And like the Leprechaun is a full-fledged character, like the Wishmaster. We don't care that we're following him and a bunch of people who are just going to suffer at his hands. That's what those those movies are, Anthony. You you nailed it, man. It's it's the Leprechaun, but beyond that, they're just over the top ridiculous. Yeah. And they don't have much else going for them other than like the shock factor of like. 
holy shit, this leprechaun is really going for it. They barely even have the, like, your wish is going to backfire scenario. It's more just, like, which one of your orifices Warwick Davis going to pop out of next? (laughs) I think all of my favorite wish fulfillment adaptations, I guess, uh, are all episodes of stuff or um, segments of anthologies. And I feel like it actually works better being, like, capsulated in a short time frame rather than yeah, dragged absolutely. out so like the first one sorry what are you gonna say uh, i was just gonna say anything over like 45 minutes feels like you're beating this concept to death like how far can you stretch it yeah like the original monkey's paw is just a couple pages yeah and they're all they all stem from the monkey's paw at the end of the day no matter how you try and change the object it's all <laughs> the same sort of it's the same formula of you make a wish it's not what you expected. It goes bad. You wish it didn't happen. You can't really change that formula. It technically stems from Middle Eastern folklore of the jinn itself, like the Wishmaster is. That's true. I mean, that's been around for centuries. And the first time we see it sort of written down and recorded is in multiple instances of Arabian Nights. And it's things like enchanted rings and, and of course, the magic lamp. But as time has gone on, people can't really seem to break themselves from the Aladdin story where genies are good. And even then, like, genie does some some shady shit. There's some good backfiring in Aladdin. <laughs> yeah, tracking it back to the gins of, of Middle Eastern mythology is like, that's where you get your real wish fulfillment horror stories. And that's why I love that Wishmaster opens on that, the scenario in, where is it, Persia? Yeah, when it comes to, like, shorter versions of wish fulfillment, I don't really have a problem with any of the ones that I can think of. So the first one that I thought of was from the Tales from the Crypt movie. I always forget about that one. Yeah, um, that's basically the standard monkey's paw formula. That one's wacky. So that was in 1972, and the segment's called Wish You Were Here, and it's the wife who... I can't remember what she, what she originally wishes for. I think it was finances. Yeah, it was something to do with finance. Yeah. Oh, I think, yeah, it's the same formula. She wishes for money, and then finds out that her husband died, and that's that's where the money's going to come from. Then she wishes for her husband not to be dead, and she basically tries every wish she can think of, like, every way she can think of phrasing the wish to bring her husband back, but not as all these horrible things. And eventually she brings him back and all of the, like, he's he's alive again, but because he's already been embalmed, then that starts rotting his body. So he's basically dying anyway, so she's just forced to, to kill him in the end anyway. I do love that agonizing sequence. Like, that is a fun twist on, like, sure, we knew he was going to come back as, like, a zombie and everybody's ready for that. But to have him just eternally in pain... Because mm-hmm. he's already been embalmed is great. Yeah. There's so many clever things in that film, it's ridiculous. They reference the literally the monkey's paw story in there, and then she does the exact same thing. Like the butler is like, You should not make these wishes, and she's like, But I'm going to <laughs> And I there's one thing I do want to point out before you do more of the short ones. She cuts him up with a katana at the end that they have hanging up on the wall. Mm-hmm. And one of the running themes I've seen in these wish fulfillment movies are Tony Todd is in them, Meatloaf <laughs> is in them, and somebody gets killed with a katana. That happens a few times. What other um, wish fulfillment films is Tony Todd in apart from Wishmaster? The Final Wish, which we did not get a chance to watch. Yeah, I didn't get to watch either of those. Meatloaf is in Wishcraft, which also uh. has the katana in it, as well as The Final Wish. I couldn't find Wishcraft. I really wanted to watch that. Do do your short ones, and then I'll tell you how fucking bonkers Wishcraft is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So apart from Tales of the Crypt, the actual like one that inspired us to even think about Wish Fulfillment as one of our episodes was the new Creepshow series on Shudder, the Monkey's Paw episode. I like that now that I know the original Monkey's Paw story because i didn't know the original monkey's paw story until today oh really um yeah i didn't know where it came from in my mind i always just wanted it to be like this 
mythological thing that came from like ancient times, not a book written in 1902. So I was a little bit disappointed. Ugh, what was my point? <laughs> the creep, creep show. show. Oh yeah, good. the creep show episode of uh, the monkey's paw. They actually say the story so like exactly pretty much because the guy this woman's like running away from the cops and then she turns up at this funeral home and this guy tells her about the monkey's paw and how his wife wished for money and then she fell off a ladder and she died and that's where the money came from so he started a whole new line of wishes and used his first wish to wish for her back and then didn't think anything had happened, and then suddenly had the horrifying realisation that, oh wait, this did work, but she's still buried. Oh. Digs her up, and she's a really well-done zombie, to be fair. Looked fucking awesome. All the makeup in the Creepshow series is phenomenal. So good, yeah. I'm not a big fan of the static mask of the, um... The Creep. The Creep, there you go. It's not static. We just saw it in the Christmas special. I don't know if it's changed or, but it definitely moved. Oh yeah, it has moved now. When they first started the series, it was very static though. Yeah, special effects from that in that episode as well was just incredible. And then he he says how he used his second wish to wish for his wife to go back to being dead. Then he used his third wish to wish for someone to come and murder him because he wants to die. And That's the monkey paw baby. And then obviously he's handing the monkey's paw on to this woman who's just turned up. Even after listening to all this, she's like, hmm, I'm going to make a wish. And it's like, why doesn't anyone ever learn? He literally tells her right away, this is what this does. And then she's like, okay, I'm going to make one of the same wishes you made. And it's like... Well, you see, like, a lot of these are, like, the people are incredulous. And, like, there's that little thought in the back of their head like oh you know what if this does actually work but then a a lot of the first wishes are like yeah i fucking i wish for a million dollars and then it shows up and they're like oh god damn it and then they're in it i mean i I will say this another nod to to wish upon they Mm -hmm. paint it out to be an addiction it's an addiction to desire and she's like scratching and going through withdrawals when the box is stolen and we see that there's this infatuation with the item and it's specifically in the item driven ones where like they always come back to it they can't seem to put it down the monkey's paw is almost always in somebody's pocket and like mm, i'm in a bind i'm gonna make my wish it's a deus ex machina <laughs> i love the thought of that being addicted to wishing though like, hey, man, you know anybody with a birthday coming up? Fuck, I just want to make a boy. I just keep throwing pennies into this fountain. <laughs> <laughs> Although with... Oh, sorry, go ahead, Anna. No, no go no, ahead. On another... I was just going to say, with all of these monkey paws, as <laughs> great as the Creepshow one is, I don't think I've ever seen a fully successful adaptation of the short story. All of these should just be called A Monkey's Paw, not The Monkey's Paw. Our monkey's paw. Your monkey's paw. I don't want it. <laughs> I I do like that, though. TM, TM, TM. Cutting that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, the story exists. And all, uh, so often we see that the characters are aware of the short story. And the short story is fantastic. It deserves a great adaptation. There's so much suspense built in, what is it, 12 pages? Nine. Nine pages? Like... It's it's great, and obviously it's set the bar so high for all of these stories. Like, somebody do a faithful adaptation of it. It no, deserves to be done. That's just the thing. Like, there's there's not enough source material to make a, a long thing, so you get these shitty movies, and like Anna's saying, like, the short ones are the way to go. Yeah. I mean, the Creepshow one is the closest to a faithful adaptation of it that I've seen. Are you saying, like, you want, like, a a period version of it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, apparently there's a lot of stage plays of the original. And I think as a play, that must work beautifully. We actually used to do it uh, at the old theater uh, around Halloween. We would do The Monkey's Paw. That's awesome. I've never seen a stage adaptation of it, and I'm sure it's fantastic. And you you know how shitty that theater that I was working (laughs) (laughs) at was. Yes. But... See, seeing and being a part of the monkey's paw on stage is fucking awesome. It's it's very well written, and the way it's de- it's described, like all of the what do you call like the non-spoken parts of like a piece of literature? 
like the scene setting stuff description is that it i guess have i never read a book before i don't know anything um but like all all of that translated onto a stage production is like chilling well, yeah even like even if it's not period the atmosphere surrounding it the lack of technology in the piece because they have everything is done by i think letters and they get one phone call but like it's it's all done in the middle of a storm you can feel the tension because it starts off during a chess game it's quiet it's a quiet Mm -hmm. building suspense and then it builds up to that knock at the door the thing that i think gets me the most is is the non-reveal at the end yeah you just you know and then she she opens the door you he never speaks his wish out loud, but you just, you know what it is for his third wish. And having her open the door to have nothing be there, it sucks the tension away. And you're left with this, like, pit in, in your gut. I have goosebumps thinking about it. And it's I, so Anna, good. I guess you do too. You have the blanket on? It's just very cold. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. I mean, even the 2013 Monkey's Paw film. They had a chance. They they were on a solid track. I love the atmosphere of that film. It does take a turn that I enjoy as a, a twist on this traditional monkey's paw wishing story. But even then, it's not, don't call it the monkey's paw, call it a monkey's paw, call it a monkey's paw story, something. I don't know. <laughs> but they, they do this thing where the second wish is for uh, the main character's kind of friend to come back from the dead. So like, cool, we're already leaning heavily into that trope. So instead of him continuing to make more wishes, the friend who is now this like soulless walking corpse is making his wishes come true through crime and murder so that he doesn't waste the last wish. So like, that's a cool twist on it. That's where like, it's borderline creature. But even then, it's it's a monkey's paw story. Anna, did you have another short one? Uh, I have two. There is the button button episode of the Twilight Zone, which I mean oh. technically isn't wish fulfillment in a way, but it's the mm-hmm. same kind of concept of making a selfish decision almost. Um, and I oh, love yeah. the ending to that episode. I know they made it into a really shitty film. The box. <laughs> the box. Yeah. The only canonical sequel to Donnie Darko. Go on. <laughs> I could kill you right now. <laughs> But the way that they do it in the episode is, I don't know, It's I just feel like it's a classic episode because you really want them to push the box. You're like, please just do it. Like, I just need to see what happens. And then there's, yeah. there's like part of you trying to weigh up like, what would I do in that situation? And in my head, I'm like, well, it's not worth it, but I want to see these guys do it because I want to know what's going to happen. But it's just the way at the end when they've pushed the button and then just really anticlimactic, nothing happens. And they're like, okay. And then they just get a knock at the door, briefcase all the money, uh, takes the box away. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. And they're like, we, we get like $200,000 and the box disappears and we're all good. And then the guy's like, oh, what are you going to do with the box now? And he's like, oh, I'm going to give it to someone else so they can have make the same decision. Don't worry, I'll give it to someone you don't know. And obviously the thing that they tell them is it's going to kill someone you don't know. So by that point, it's like, oh, wait, whoever gets the box makes the wish and then they give it to someone else and then that person gets killed. Like, I love that. It's just such a nice way of saying you made a shitty decision and here is your consequence. Good luck. So good. Do you, uh, real quick, Two things. Uh, would you guys push the button? No. No. Yeah. <laughs> you would. We all we all said we all said no, right? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the original short story. Uh, have you guys read it? I actually haven't read the short story of the box or the button or however it's phrased. It's uh, button button still. Okay. Uh, it's fucked up. Who is it written by? Uh, Richard Matheson. Fuck yes, I knew I knew that. Yeah, writer of I Am Legend. I love him. I won't say anything more about it. Please just uh, take a moment, go read it, because there is a line in there, and the plot, it ends a little bit differently, and the line spoken by the man is absolutely chilling. Love that. I'll add it's it to my so list. It's so good. 
yeah, we'll we'll talk about it on our own later. But I just needed to say that. Uh, and Anna, your your last short ones. So my last short one is is probably my favorite, and that's the wish from Buffy. Oh. Um, because, like, <laughs> I mean, we all know that I'm obsessed with Buffy. Like, that's such a good episode. I rewatch every season of Buffy every year without fail. It's my Halloween fest. But that episode is so important for so many different reasons. It's the introduction to one of my favorite all time characters. Anya is one of the best things that ever happened to Buffy. And that's the first episode where she is introduced. It's also so important because it shows what would happen if Buffy never came to Sunnydale. And more importantly, they tie it back to the pilot where we see Buffy coming to Sunnydale for the first time. And they basically go, okay, what would have happened if she wasn't there in that first episode? In the first few episodes, she starts of, um, of season one of Buffy, she starts trying to stop the harvest from happening so that the master can't come back to the surface and take over and we basically see what would happen so cordelia wish is obviously angry at buffy well more so she's angry at willow and zander at that point but she's taking out on buffy and she wishes for buffy to have never come to sunnydale and so we basically see what would have happened if she wasn't there to stop the master. He had taken over. The whole town was just completely run over by vampires. Will and Xander had been taken in that first episode along with Jesse. Like they were supposed to have been if Buffy wasn't there. They're like this weird vampire couple now. And there's just so many little beautiful things that make Buffy just incredible. And it's that it mixes all the campiness and cheesiness in this episode, but also makes it very serious, very thought-provoking, and it's so sad. And it creates a better version of the bronze that has ever existed. Oh my god, the bronze is so good in that episode. Because <laughs> it's just a goth club, and I love that. And and angels in the corner, weeping in a cage like he should be. That's well, just fantastic. Because <laughs> um, he's my least favorite character. That episode of Buffy, though, is one of the best written because it just completely spins everything. And it shows such a testament to Giles' character as well. It's so underplayed in that episode, but the fact that he is still doing exactly the same job, but without a Slayer. Like, he's just trying to band together anyone that he can to train to do this, to help. Just is Please. like, it doesn't matter what... <laughs> alternate universe Giles is in, he's still Giles. Everyone else is a completely different character in that world, but Giles is 100% Giles in any universe, and I love that. But also shows that, like, Cordelia's wish was really shit, because the world would literally collapse without Buffy. So she learns that, and then she learns to respect Buffy after that episode. So, sorry. I just need to have my own Buffy episode, don't I? Um, so yes, that's all of my, um, my uh, wish fulfillment. I promised you I would tell you about how fucking bonkers Wishcraft is so you don't have to watch it. This is nuts. So <laughs> there is a high school student who gets a package in the mail one day and inside is a totem made out of a bull penis. So that's the kind of movie you're getting into when you watch <laughs> this. <laughs> and he finds out that it grants wishes. And of course he wishes for the hot girl at school to go to like the dance with him, or maybe it's like a prom or something. So they, they go to the prom and then she breaks up with him and he's like, well, I guess I got my wish. He just like wishes for, for more and more things. And he finds out that one of his teachers had the, the totem before him and gave it to him because he was such a good student that he deserves some wishes. And the teacher's wishes were he wanted like a bunch of money he wished to kill his wife so he didn't have to divorce her and then his third wish is for super strength so he can kill students that he doesn't like hey what the fuck wow this movie is a slasher on top of the the wish granting trope the 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 one student brett is like hey Mr. Turner, what the fuck is your problem, man? And so he, this teacher is going on a killing spree across the, the high school and all the kids end up dead. And then Brett uses his last wish for super strength to fight Mr. Turner. No! <laughs> 
and they get into a, a, a big fight, and he he kills him with a katana a, again with this fucking sword, man. Katana is the only weapon for slaying wish beasts. It that sounds so much nuts. fun. Also, this is the one that Meatloaf is in, and he plays a detective, like a sweaty detective. I think I still need to watch this, even though you've caught. Yeah, I kind of want to watch it. Fine. Well, if you can, if you can find it, watch it. The only reason I watched it is because my buddy John has it on Blu-ray or DVD. I don't think they came out with a Blu-ray. Anyway, we watched it the other day, and this movie is fucking nuts. That sounds super fun. That sounds like sorority babes fun. Yeah, I just I wish it had come out uh, either ten years later or ten years earlier. Because it sits in that weird middle ground of like mid two thousands bullshittery, and it's it's not great. It's an okay slasher. It's an okay wish movie. Take it with it when you will. <laughs> it's not a great either. Yeah, exactly. I mean, technically, none of the films that we've mentioned, we've been like, oh yeah, it's outstanding. It's great in like a serious way. So I I think I might reclaim my my theory. That it only works as a short. Yeah, it's it's so hard to to do a long wish movie because it gets like boring and played out. It takes about uh, I think ninety minutes into the ninety five minutes of the final wish to get to the final wish, and it's fucking bullshit the entire way through. I do I do have one more though that I kind of like, and I think I agree with you. Maybe none of these movies are good. <laughs> but I, I almost enjoy the room. Uh, it's on Shutter. Did you guys see that? No, no we saw um, like a trailer like a, thing. A short, it. yeah. That movie looks fucked. It sounded pretty That's, triggery. It's, it's it's super weird. It's um so in in the room cinematic universe. There's obviously Tommy Wiseau's The Room. There's Room with Brie Larson, and now there's The Room, which is that French thriller movie. But it's uh, two two French folks moved into uh, a house in New York, and an electrician comes, and they they find out like their house is some sort of like machine. Like an electrician is like, I don't know, there's wires I've never even heard of connecting this thing, and they find a room in this house where the room grants your every wish, and of course, like oh. You know, I I wish for jewels. I wish for money. I wish for the the guy wishes for a bunch of original Van Gogh paintings. Van Gogh, sorry. And it's all fun until the wife, who at this point has revealed to have had two miscarriages, is like, I wish for a baby. And then they have a baby that is conjured by this room. But then they very very quickly find out that anything taken out of the the house turns ages rapidly, like. Uh, portrait of Dorian Gray style and turns to ash. So there's this whole conundrum where they're like, well, what do we do with this fucking kid? Like we can never take him outside of the house, but they eventually do. And he ages up to like a little kid. And then he, they age him up to like a teenager and bring him back inside. And it's just like, it's very, very strange. And a lot of it made me super uncomfortable with some of the things like there's a sexual assault scene that is very strange. But other than that, it's 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 pretty pretty typical wishy. I, I think it was pretty good. Are the paintings the real authentic ones, and they just destroyed them by making these wishes? There's no way to ever find out, huh? But like he he takes like the the portrait, like the the famous portrait, and pushes it like halfway outside the house, and like on an angle, it just like disintegrates, and then he hangs like the half mutilated portrait back up on the wall and he's like ah oh, fuck but the the way that he finds out and like the way that they like they move the plot forward is they run into this guy who's like an old man now who's like i used to be a kid that was made by the room <laughs> <laughs> and they're like no joke i was like what he tells the he tells the dad like oh you know the only way to keep this kid alive is to have the creator die. And so the kid hears this and then they go on this whole thing where he's like, oh, I got to try to kill my room parents. It's very weird. I would say give it a shot. I don't know where to go from there because it's dark. Yeah, it's a, it's a little fucked up. Holy hachi machi. I, I wish there were more 
But wait, not I. <laughs> Don't do it. This is probably how we got all these shitty movies. Is because someone was like, I wish that there were more wish fulfillment movies, and there were, but they were shitty. So that... that's the consequence. <laughs> yeah, that was a close one. Oh my god, <laughs> I had postulated that it would be beneficial to have more wish fulfillment movies of quality. Just maybe some more that involve. Okay. actual like law and maybe a different as much as i came in saying like yeah wish upon sucked i do applaud the fact that they tried to do something different and kind of break the formula of of bringing people back to life because now i just think every wish fulfillment film is final destination meets pet cemetery that's what they feel like i think one of them was even written by one of the guys that did final destination i don't remember which one I think it was the final wish, right? Yeah. Oh yes, yes. That's why I thought it was fucking stupid. (laughs) But even like Anna, you were just saying delving into lore and mythology. I think that's also part of why Leprechaun is fun, because like Leprechaun and Slime Bolarama, because there is a creature, there is a way to defeat it, and that all stems from lore. And as much as I applaud Wishmaster for like delving into the gin lore. There is so much gin lore that could have been played with down to the specific ways to like attract and summon a gin. Like it sounds like it can just happen on accident. Like apparently gins are attracted to like barren wastelands. So you could like find a lamp in the desert. They're attracted to the total opposite of that, which is like clutter and disgusting mess. So like it really is the accident of finding that deus ex machina of exactly what you need. And that's been the trope of storytelling. I do love the thought of like, what if they did the thing, but like with the gin? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Cause they're all shapeshifters too. Yeah. They, they unearth a fucking nasty wish granting monster instead. Oh my God. I also, I would love to see like a, a wish movie that doesn't take place in modern times. All of these take place like present day. And I, I would love period pieces like the original monkey's paw. You know, people, like, scraping to get by, like, genuinely struggling and then making these wishes, like, out of necessity. Like, we we just want to eat. Like, we just need enough money to survive. And, like, we get a bunch of these high school movies where it's like, I wish the the hot guy or girl liked me. And I, I wish I had more followers on Facebook or oh my god i sound like an old man (laughs) i wish that charles dickens had written a wish fulfillment story what did you just wish for on this podcast about wishing Uh (laughs) i didn't mean that i just i would like to have seen a charles dickens (laughs) wish fulfillment story that would be beautiful yeah like as in like that sort of era i think would be really interesting because it would literally be people being like I wish for a loaf of bread. And that would probably be like their oh, first wish that. to test it out. And then it would just be interesting to see like, oh, I wish to be king or like more interesting yeah. things. We, I... Doesn't Aladdin do that? And then he has like two loaves of bread. Does that not No, he, st- he steals the bread, cuts it in half yeah. so that he gives it gotta to the Gotta eat to live, gotta steal to eat. Uh, he wishes, he does wish to be king. He wishes to be a sultan, doesn't he? Yeah, so uh, I, I wish to be out of this cave. I wish to be a, a prince. Mm-hmm. And genie, I wish for your freedom. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, in, in this quest, I found Aladdin and the Death Lamp. I didn't oh, yeah. watch that sounded it. interesting. But holy shit, am I gonna. <laughs> Putting it right on my list. Oh, yeah, here it is. 2012. Oh, what? The CG looks terrible. Oh, buddy, the CG. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> This looks like balls. Anyway, Anthony, can we have our fear of the day? Sure. So wait, Anthony, can you can you ask us if we want our fear of the day? I broke the mold a little bit. <laughs> Your fear of the day, which I think a lot of people could potentially have after having these wishing incidents, is pointophobia. Fear of consequence yeah pretty much it's oh, the cool. fear of punishment for your actions <laughs> yay That's what you i get got one. when you make a wish <laughs> yeah i was trying to think of what i was most scared of after talking about this I was like i don't want consequences <laughs> <laughs> i just want free money i, I also <laughs> i haven't gotten a chance to see freaky yet but like 
if it happens the way that Freaky Friday happened, is that technically a wishing movie? How did Freaky Friday happen? Because I've never watched it. And you call yourself a Jamie Lee Curtis fan. Whoa, what the fuck? (laughs) Jamie Lee Curtis does everything. I can't keep up. So you guys have any recommendations? I do. Do you? Yeah. (laughs) The two of yous. (laughs) What? I almost didn't, but I do. (laughs) My My recommendation for this week. Oh my god. Do it. (laughs) (laughs) Doze's turn. Anna. No, Anna, go. No, you. (laughs) You do it. My recommendation for this week is Death Dream. It's also known as Dead Dead of of Night. Night. I've never seen it as Dead of Night, but I love the poster. Though not necessarily a wish movie. Nobody explicitly like makes a wish, but it is, again, the monkey's paw story. From the perspective of the one that is wished back. That's interesting. It's it's really cool. It, there's a, a soldier who dies in the, the Vietnam War. And his family gets word that he has died while away. And then he shows up back at home. There's a, a really great exchange where his dad is like, oh, we thought you were dead. And he's like, I was. You go through the movie and you find out that he needs to subsist on blood to prevent himself from rotting away. And he's like some sort of ghoul. But it's it's super, super cool. Uh, whereas this is like usually like the end of all the Monkey's Paw stories. They start with it and then they just ride it out through the end and continue where the rest of them usually wrap up. Nice. So that's Death Dream. Or Dead of Night. Which I also want to point out is not the same Dead of Night that I recommended in our Christmas episode. That's a very Correct. different Dead of Night. Yes. I think that's why. Anna, do you want to go now? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so my recommendation isn't linked to the theme of the episode for the first time, because <gasps> I literally could not think of something wish fulfillment that I wasn't talking about on this episode that I could recommend. Um, there wasn't enough good stuff <laughs> to talk about on the episode and recommend. So... I'm going to recommend something that I actually just kind of stumbled upon and got distracted by while I was trying to find Wish Film and episodes. Um, it's a film called uh, Audrey Rose, and I'm so shocked that I've just found it. So it's a 1977 film directed by Robert Wise, who did The Haunting, as in the good version of The Haunting. So now I'm going to go through my other Robert Wise film. So Audrey Rose is... It's kind of like a possession film, but it's not. It's a reincarnation film. But it's got Anthony Hopkins in it, a very young Anthony Hopkins. And he basically starts stalking this family. And then he eventually has to tell them why when they're like, what the hell are you doing stalking us? And it turns out that his kid died in a horrible accident. And it's his belief that his daughter has been reincarnated in their daughter. Obviously, they're like, you're a psycho, get the fuck away from our daughter. But the more that he, like, explains to them, and she starts waking up in the night and having, like, these horrible trips where she thinks that she's still in this accident, and Anthony Hopkins is the only one to calm her down because that's her dad. And so it's basically she's possessed by the reincarnated soul of this girl that died in this horrible accident and it just makes this super intense possession style film that also plays with the ideals of spirituality and is just directed beautifully and obviously Anthony Hopkins is is just incredible in everything it's just such a good film I'm really happy that I found it Um, and Robert Wise is a fantastic director that sounds dope. Nothing to do with wishes. Yeah. <laughs> but even then, great concept. And also, yeah. uh, kind of reminds me of, does it remember The Prodigy? Oh, god damn it. Didn't you guys say that A was bad shit? version of that. Yeah. It's, uh, it sounds like this is the much better version of what that wanted to be. Yeah, I mean, I'd never really seen a possession film that wasn't just straight up, like, possessed by a demon. I love possession films, don't get me wrong. It was so nice to have that interesting, like, spirituality thing. And they go into, like the Indian roots of belief in reincarnation and stuff like that, which is really cool. That's awesome. And like on the note of demonic possessions, I would love to do an episode on um, like deals with the devil 
because we we touched on it a little bit here, but somehow with a nearly identical premise, there is a strain of better films. So it'd be interesting to to compare that. But uh, for my my recommendation, I tried to keep to the theme of this episode, and as we stated, it's pretty hard to find some genuinely good wish fulfillment films. So I'm going to recommend Porno, uh, which so is on good. Shutter right now. And even though it's not directly a wish fulfillment film, it's kind of like wish fulfillment for your genitals because there is a succubus granting desires. And uh, damn, it's a wild ride. It's super fun. It's almost like they took an 80s movie that you didn't think you'd be able to get away with in this era and they made it acceptable to make it this year. So I'm very, and very there happy are with some that. uncomfortable practicals. Yeah, no, there is, actually. Oh, man, I got a bunch of stuff I have to watch tonight now. <laughs> oh, jeez. Just giving you a horny wish fulfillment playlist. Yeah, this is very strange. <laughs> All right, well, if everybody's desires have been granted, thank you for tuning into the Hauntsville Cryptcast. I'm Anthony. <laughs> I'm Doza. I'm Anna. Happy hauntings. We'll see you in hell. <laughs>